From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Today, Wednesday, the 12th of September, 2018, a massive and historically powerful hurricane is churning off the coast of the eastern U.S. at this time. Hurricane Florence is expected to make landfall sometime on Friday the 14th with possible storm surge flooding of 9 to 13 feet in areas along the eastern parts of North Carolina, including the town of Wilmington. According to local Wilmington, North Carolina station WECT Channel 6, many areas along the coast have issued voluntary or even mandatory evacuations ahead of Hurricane Florence. And after an update by the head of FEMA, the U.S. Disaster Management Bureau, President Trump on Tuesday said that his government is prepared to respond to the impending hurricane, adding that the public's safety is his absolute highest priority. Right now, it's the waiting game for the entire southeast U.S. coast from Georgia up into Virginia, and with the storm already at Category 4 strength, the time to board up your home, stock up on food and supplies, or simply evacuate is quickly running out. Best Mexican Restaurant in the U.S. has been announced. America's Best Mexican Restaurant has been revealed by the Harris Poll Company, which hosted the survey. Chipotle made the top spot in 2016, and last year's number one spot was Moe's Southwest Grill. So who made this year's number one spot? Well, contenders in the running also included Baja Fresh, Del Taco, and Qdoba. The survey by Harris Poll asked more than 77,000 customers and the result for the best Mexican restaurant in the U.S. was Taco Bell. The fast food chain's release of Nacho Fries became the company's most successful product launch ever, and earlier this year Taco Bell became the fourth largest fast food joint eclipsing Burger King. The company remains behind McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway. This news according to a report by Hearst Media Stations. The Harris Poll also ranked Five Guys Burgers and Fries as the best burger restaurant, Kohl's as the best department store, TJ Maxx stores as best off-price retailer, and Courtyard Marriott as the best upscale hotel. In December of 1938, Washington Governor Clarence Martin and Lacey V. Murrow, the director of the Washington Toll Bridge Authority, broke ground on what would be the largest floating structure in the world, the Lake Washington Floating Bridge, also known as the Mercer Island Bridge between Seattle to the west and Bellevue, Washington to the east. According to the History Channel, at the time the bridge was built, it carried U.S. Route 10 across the lake and a few decades later, that highway became Interstate 90. The bridge was a Public Works Administration-financed project designed to make the towns across the lake from Seattle more accessible to suburban development. 
When the bridge opened in 1940, the Seattle Times called it the biggest thing afloat. It was almost two miles long, contained 100,000 tons of steel, floated on more than 20 hollow pontoons, and carried 5,000 cars every single day. And over the next 50 years, the load increased to 100,000 cars every day. But in 1990, while the bridge was closed for repairs, holes for construction were punched in the pontoons that kept it afloat. However, the task that was underway was slated to take quite a while, and the workers shut down for the weekend. But Seattle weather took a turn, and churned up a few days of rain and high winds over that weekend. The pontoons filled with water, and subsequently, the biggest thing afloat broke apart and sank to the bottom of Lake Washington, along with half a mile of Interstate 90. The entire structure needed to be rebuilt, and the project would end up taking three years to complete, with a cost of $93 million. But 25 years ago, on September 12, 1993, the brand new structure and the first floating concrete bridge in the world, the Lacey v. Murrow Bridge, was opened, and one of the last remaining gaps in the interstate highway system was closed. Drivers could now travel directly from Boston to Seattle without ever leaving interstate. State 90. Recently here on Outlook in Review, we discussed the very real battle against sin. The need not to just let go and let God, but to arm ourselves with the armor of God and to fight the good fight, to wage war on the enemy. But sometimes in the heat of battle, we might lose perspective on who that real enemy is. Ephesians 6 reminds us that our struggle is not against sinful people, but against the evil system and the supernatural forces that influence their attitudes and their actions. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 spoke of the army that Satan has gathered together, rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, these demons are all assembled to fight against the kingdom of heaven. They enter the world and are not only involved in the perversions of totally debased immorality, Satan worship, the occult, and so on, but even infiltrate various political systems of the world, attempting to direct human leaders to oppose God's plans. In Daniel 10, we read of something like this when we read about the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, this prince withstood God's angelic messenger to Daniel until Michael the archangel came to the rescue. Those who reject Christ and God are prisoners of war, all too often unwitting captives of this army. They're captured and they're activated by Satan to achieve his end goals, and then he abandons those prisoners of his plans to eternal and everlasting agony in hell. Especially in today's social media world, we probably all know those who seem to enjoy mocking our faith, making it the focus of irreverent humor, and making life generally difficult for us because of our beliefs. Although this type of behavior and mistreatment can be very difficult to withstand at times, may we strive to be patient with these mockers and not become resentful against them and confuse prisoners of war with the enemy. May we ask God to make us an instrument of His love as we reach out to these prisoners of the adversary, and may we pray for them 
pray that God would remove their spiritual blindness so that they can see beyond Satan's lies that have infiltrated the world and recognize their need for the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's make it a point to specifically pray that God would use us as Christians to break through Satan's deception in the life of someone that crosses our path, whether it be a relative, a co-worker, or a friend. And may we never cease to thank God for delivering us from that hideous domain of darkness. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.